0: And this is the course that I've designed and it's got everything in it that I wish I'd have known when I finished cancer treatment and I was lost. So you can download that course now and you can start working towards making this your happiest and healthiest year ever. I'd love to hear from you. Let me know what you think. Take care. Bye bye. Hello there, it's Gabby here from Confidence After Cancer podcast guest is a very remarkable woman, Leanne Gunn. And you're going to meet Leanne in a minute and she's going to tell us uh, about her story, about her journey, and which does include a diagnosis of a very aggressive breast cancer. But that's not really been the major factor in her life. I'm going to introduce you and let Leanne tell her story about what happened to her and the quite shocking events of what happened to her son. But what shines through this interview is her positivity and her attitude to life that no matter what life throws at you, you can choose your attitude. Even for some of us, an unthinkable thing, having a son who is disabled, she talks about this, about the blessings that she's found in that diagnosis, the blessings that she's found in her cancer diagnosis and the fact that it helped her put her life into perspective. And also the work that she now does, she is an accountant, um, but more than that, she's a business strategist. She helps uh, people, self-employed people, small businesses, and she talks in a really positive way about the opportunities that are available uh, to us all this, these days in the world of the internet, particularly for midlife women, a bit like myself, who maybe you know, struggled to fit in with corporate life. Leanne's got some real words of wisdom about that, about how she can help people and what she can see that those sorts of people bring to the world of self-employment. So it's a really interesting podcast for me. Absolute pleasure to introduce and interview this remarkable young woman. And I hope you enjoy this week's podcast. And I'm going to introduce Leanne. See you in a minute. Bye. So good morning, and on this week's episode of Confidence After Cancer, I have a very special guest. The lovely Leanne Guns is joining me today. Leanne is a breast cancer survivor, but actually that's not really the biggest part of her story. She's got some more stuff that's happened to her in her short life that she's going to share with us today. Some quite dramatic things, and I know that she's looking good today because, you know, has got a happy ending. It's quite dramatic what's happened to Leanne. So welcome, Leanne. It's so good to see you. Thank you for joining me.
1: Thank you. No, thank you for the opportunity to come on. I love talking about all of these sorts of things. So, yeah, I'm really excited to go through it
0: today. Excellent. Like I say, you have got such um, an unusual and and quite shocking story as well when I first heard your story. So I'd really like to start by talking about what happened to you with your son. You were quite a young one, weren't you, when you had
1: him? Yeah, so I was 25 when I had my son. So actually, looking back now, that was, you know, at the time, it was quite difficult being relatively young. But now looking back, obviously, it happened for a reason, because yeah, a few years later, what happened happened. So I'll start a little bit further on from when I had him when he was two. Um, this is 2015, we're talking so a few years ago now. So when he was two, my son had a cold, like lots of children, when they're two, they get cold, they get ill, you don't think anything of it. And on this particular day, that I'm going to talk about, he had his nativity at nursery so I did not want him to miss his nativity it was the first one it was his first year of being at nursery yeah. so a really big event so I was like oh he'll be okay I'll give him some Calpol, and we'll all be okay took him to nursery dropped him off for his nativity and then I drove to work and in between that time of me dropping him off at nursery and driving to work which was like 40 minutes something like that I got a phone call when I got there saying oh Charlie can't stand up I was like no no, no. Charlie's just being silly because he's a bit tired and he's a bit grumpy because he's got a bit of a cold I said just Get him to get on. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. They're like, no, 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 Liam. He actually can't stand up. I was like, ah, no, just don't, don't believe you. So they said, no, no, you need to come back and get him now. I was like, oh god, here we go. So leave work as you do. Like anyone with young children knows, it's really inconvenient when you have to leave your work to go and pick them up from their childcare Mm -hmm. to take them somewhere. So not thinking anything of it, thinking he was just a bit under the weather. I went back. I was more disappointed that he was going to be missing his nativity. Collected him from school and the matron was at there at the nursery. There was, a, there was a matron, like a nurse at school that um, looked after the kids. And she was there with Charlie and she said, right, you need to take him straight to A&E. And at this point, I'm like, oh, maybe actually this is a little bit more serious than what I was thinking. Yeah. Took him to the a department at our local hospital. And at this point, he couldn't stand up. And when I say he couldn't stand up, I mean, he probably couldn't stand up. It wasn't like he was being a two year old sitting down, throwing a tantrum, saying I won't stand up. His legs had no, yeah. were not working anymore. So from that point, we took him into the hospital as you do. We had lots of people look at him and they all said, oh, he's got irritable hip, don't worry, just take him home. This happens with two-year-olds all the time. We see it all the time, just take him home, give him a couple of weeks and he'll be back on his feet again. His, his hips are just hurting as as part of growing pain. So we're like, okay, mm-hmm. took him home. As the week went on, he was getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. So at his worst, he had lost most of the movement in his body up to his neck. So he was floppy like all over looking back at it now you trust the doctors implicitly and I have all I still do trust the doctors implicitly but it was a really quite serious misdiagnosis at that time but they had just not seen this condition so do you know what I mean it's just one of those things yeah so we took him back to the doctors the GP surgery because at that time it was winter our local hospital was rammed the CAU which is like the children's A&E department They they'd given us a phone number to call, but we couldn't get through to them because they had so many cases. They were back to back. We couldn't get back into hospital. And in the end, the GPs had to phone the hospital on our behalf and say, look, you really need to see this child again. He's quite seriously ill at this point. They managed to get us back in. And just by chance, we saw a doctor that had just been on a training course for my son's condition, and he recognised it straight away. So we were incredibly lucky the second time we went in. And it turned out that I'd never heard this was even a thing. My son had a cold and his immune system had decided to attack his spinal cord rather than his cold. It was as simple as that. So we went from having a happy, healthy two-year-old to having a child with a disability, like quite serious disability within a few weeks. I mean, when this sort of thing happens, obviously, it's like anything that's quite life changing. You don't really see it coming. You don't expect it. But then from that point, we had lots of hospital stays. Our life was changing forever. So we were actually released from hospital on Christmas Eve 2015. And just by chance, his, his condition is called transverse myelitis. And it's really quite rare, which is probably why I and nobody else had ever heard of it, um, including some wow. of the doctors at the hospital ward, because it's literally wow. like one in a million so we got released on Christmas Eve. We went straight down to a specialist in London that the Transverse Myelitis Society had put us in touch with, with a specialist neurophysio um, who we continued to see with the Transverse Myelitis Society's support. They were absolutely amazing. But yeah, to say it was a little bit of a life changing day. And unfortunately, he didn't get to do his nativity. <laughs> oh, bless him. Yeah, I mean, it was it's one of those things. You just don't, you don't ever expect this happening. And there's lots of things in life that happen, aren't there? like really most are. people yeah. listening to this are going to have something yeah. in their life that they never expected to happen but yeah so yeah literally my son got cold and it left him permanently disabled which is excellent yeah so that was that was the real beginning of my story so that's that's December 2015 and um obviously this podcast is confidence after cancer so you obviously know yeah. what's going to ha- happen next but we we went home and we started to learn how to you know deal with a child with a disability and all the rest of it. And our life changed quite dramatically at that point. Suddenly we were back using buggies and push chairs and all of those sorts of things, dealing with endless hospital appointments. And then in the April, I found a lump. And I was very lucky in the fact that obviously at this age, I was 28 years old, I was not looking for any signs of cancer. I had no family history of cancer, didn't know anybody else who'd had cancer. I was very lucky that it was in a really obvious place, like right at the top. Otherwise, I wouldn't have found it. So then four months later, I saw the lump. And then it took me quite a while to actually get the diagnosis, because being 28 and being healthy and fit and young and no family history, people don't mm-hmm. tend to think you have cancer at that point. So no. at that point, it took until the August for me to actually finally get the diagnosis. And so then August 15th on my husband's birthday, we got diagnosis oh. and they told me there's three things it could be, Liam. And it isn't two of them, and the third one's cancer. So, like, great, thanks for that. So then off Ouch. I go. So, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So this is where it comes in. Like, you get one blow with your child suddenly becoming disabled, and then six or so months later, you've got cancer.
0: And suddenly, the world
1: looks very different, doesn't it? It
0: really does. It really does. You must have thought at some time, you know, why me? Why? <laughs> what have I done do, you to know, do you know know? I
1: never thought that? I literally, <laughs> that was one thing that got me through, actually, was during all of this... I think I was so focused on my son that it made it easier for me. I never thought, why me? I never thought I was going to die. If anybody had said to you, oh, you're actually, you know, this is really serious, Deanne, you're, you know, my cancer was really, really aggressive, really aggressive. Um, And apparently that's quite common in younger women that the cancer's really, really aggressive. But I was lucky in that because it was in such an obvious place. I had four tumours, I could only see one of them. But because it was in such an obvious place, I'd spotted it early. But I never had that sort of attitude of, oh, gosh, why does this all happen to me? I never had this attitude of, oh, well, I'm going to die. I never, you know, I never, ever focused on that at all. And I think mindset is so important in these things, isn't it? Absolutely. You,
0: yeah, so. I, I agree. And sometimes people think it can be called toxic positivity. It's not just, I think, happy thoughts and everything's going to be wonderful. But you do get to choose your attitude. Life 100%. will throw these things at you that you never would have chosen in a million years, but you get to choose how you react.
1: Yeah, and I think if you'd have told me, like, even five years before that, that, oh, before you're 30, you're, you know, your son's going to have a life-changing condition, you're going to have cancer, you're going to have, your, you know, your life is going to be completely flipped on its head, I would not have believed you, like, it just, yeah. things like that don't happen to you, do they? They happen to other people, not to you. Mm-hmm, absolutely, um, yeah. But having that attitude, and I found actually for me personally i found it quite difficult to go to things like for example the cancer groups there, there was an amazing group of young women having you know who volunteered and voluntarily set up a breast cancer support group locally to me everybody was under the age of 40 i found these things quite hard to go to that, you know we we were quite lucky in norfolk that we have loads and loads of options for cancer oh, support right. but personally yeah. I just thought I was going to be OK. And I didn't want to sit there and talk doom and gloom with loads of people. So for me, those, you know that sort of thing wasn't really an option. Yeah. And I think people often can't understand why you would be so positive through it. But for me, that's just the way I was. I just carried on. And I actually found it really comforting to look at the short term. So with me, everything was focused on the next two weeks because, in my treatment and I don't know whether this is fairly unique to me or whether this is quite common but everything seemed to have a two-week deadline on it two weeks to get your test results two weeks to get your treatment plan two weeks to get this there's a lot a lot of two weeks going on isn't there so if you just look at your life in two weeks it made it much much easier and um, obviously whilst trying to work out a treatment plan for me I was having to deal with OTs physios orthotics Like all these things that I'd never, I had no experience with. And being the parent of a disabled child now, I'm very confident in all the things I have to do. I'm very confident with the never-ending forms. I'm very confident with all of these things. But as a new, like a mum to a disabled child, you know, as a new parent carer, you just don't know. So my time was very much tied up with filling in forms <laughs> I
0: did a lot of form yeah. filling in the early days and, and it sounds exhausting I mean breast cancer at the best of times is exhausting yeah. because you know what it does to your mental state there is so much to learn there's all the yeah. you know terminology Should you join a support group some people find it really helpful to talk to other people but like you say there can yeah. be a lot of doom and gloom out there and some people just yeah. love to go into victim mode and yeah. and it's you know understandably it's quite scary but you don't need that fear around you so yeah, yeah that's and how I think, I thought, I think, anyway.
1: Yeah I I was the same I couldn't and I'm not saying if you're in the early stages of diagnosis you shouldn't go to a support group if that's right for you then that's right for you and there are some amazing ones out there but for me personally the cancer was almost secondary like my my priority was my son and getting him sorted out and I did go to support groups with him but I didn't go to anything for myself and um, I was also quite lucky in that I have an amazing best friend who stepped in and helped us no end. I have a big family. I had, you know, so I was quite in a lucky position. And I know again, not everybody has that. So, you know, having finding a place of support is really important for some people. But it just wasn't for me. I couldn't listen yeah. to the victim mentality yeah. at all because it was so
0: far removed from where I was at that time. Yeah, um, it's, it's interesting what you said as well about the family and friends because you really do find out. You know, at a time like that, who will step up for you and who's there for you? And again, it's count your blessings. I know it's such a cliche, but it does make you count your blessings and realize how very fortunate you are. Yes, these terrible things have happened, but some people, you know, managing these things on their own or not without that lovely warm network that you've got. So, thank goodness you had that around you to support you. But thank goodness as well, I think that you found that inner strength to focus on your son and get what he needed and to fight, you know, fight with the forms. And I can imagine it's a a nightmare if you're not familiar in that world but navigating it's, it's, that yeah. as well yeah.
1: it's a whole new it's a whole new world and particularly nowadays where funding is so short mm. and the kids still need all this stuff the kids still grow out of wheelchairs yeah. and you have to fight for a new wheelchair every single thing that you need for your child as a parent carer you have to fight for and it's just you have to just keep going with it and it's almost similar to battling cancer in a way and actually In some ways, the cancer situation was one of the best things that ever happened to me because it completely changed my outlook on life. It completely changed everything I do. I know that I can do whatever I want to do. Like 100%, I have got that confidence now. And I know that a lot of that came from this diagnosis that I had. And the process that we went through as a family meant that now there's very little that's going to break me. Do you know what I mean? I I can take on
0: the world and it'd be fine because we've done this. And, yeah, and that's, actually, that's, yeah, that's great to hear. From. And I think one of, the, one of the things I say the biggest thing that I, mistakes that I see people making after a, a diagnosis or anything bad that happens is living in fear because yeah, that's not yeah. living to me. You know, it's given, like I say, probably always had that inner strength, but now you've seen it and you know it's there and you know yeah, can exactly. are on it. So
1: it, I think if you are finding it difficult to find that strength, then what I found really good was just focus on the short term. Don't think six months down Mm -hmm. the line. Think today, tomorrow, like when I was going through chemo, I still worked and I I refused to stop working during chemo because I needed something to keep me sane because my life had literally been turned on its head and I was on a three-week cycle. So I'd have a week chemo on the Monday, be really ill for that week. You know, like everyone probably listens to this knows how ill you are when you're having chemo. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I would go back to school, go back to work on the uh, second week and the third week and then have the third one off again. So I would be constantly rotating this. And actually that's how I had to focus. Chemo week, I had to focus on getting to Wednesday. If I got to Wednesday, I could start to function again. And then if I got to Friday, I'd be able to like stand up and get out of bed and stop being sick and things yeah. like that. And then if I got to Monday, I'd go back to work. Do you know what I mean? So you just, just focus yeah. on the short term. Don't think six months oh, a year down the life, line, my life is going to be like this, because I can guarantee you, you can't predict what your life is going to be a year no, down the line. Is this is going to change everything, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah.
0: absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm very much like you. I work through my, my treatment as well. And well-meaning friends are saying, oh, do you think you should be working? But I, it gave me focus. Yeah. For, for that time, for a short period of time, I go to work, put my in back in the day, put my suit on, and I felt like a normal person, if you like, not a not a patient, not a, not a victim, yeah. not a cancer patient. So mentally, yeah. it did a lot for me. That yeah, but obviously you got to balance your energy levels. That but is key, isn't teacher. it? I like I that think... as well. The focusing on the short term because we can all do that. We can all worry about what's going to happen yeah. in the future, but actually, just focus on today. Have a good day today, yeah. and and the next week. If you plan out your next week, to expect good things to happen.
1: And don't I'm you think that's true in then. life just in general as well like it doesn't have to be in cancer mode that you think absolutely. like that but you never know what's going to happen and I think my story is key in this for you know for so much having such a, st- a short space of time you never would have expected it but before then we never really understood how lucky I was and then afterwards hang on a minute life's too yeah, short absolutely. why are you worrying about this stuff absolutely
0: life is too short that it's a great you know sort of mantra isn't it to think about other things you used to stress about really trivial things things that don't matter you know look at the big picture look at how lucky we are we've got families we've got yeah children we've got you know, we're here yeah enjoying life so yeah that's really good one of the things i wanted to talk to you about leanne is i know that you are passionate about inclusion and i know you, i've heard you yes. talk about this before and i'd like you to just explain a little bit what does that mean why are you so passionate about
1: it so inclusion is basically giving everybody a level playing field to start with so the best way i've seen a really really good image on inclusion and i'll try and explain it the best i can but basically Everybody needs to look over a really tall fence to see what's on the other side of the fence. Everybody's boxes that they need to stand on to see over the fence are going to be slightly different heights, basically. So you're going to have tall people. I'm quite tall, so I probably wouldn't need a box. And then you'd have somebody next to me who might need a massive box because they're really small. So inclusion is that box. It's giving people the tools to be able to enter the world on a level playing field. And this doesn't just mean in the world of disability, like physical disability, I'm not just talking ramps, like I'm not just talking lifts, you know, accessibility things, I'm talking across the board. And I think I'm quite, I mean, I'm pleased that my son is born in an era where inclusion is even spoken about because obviously, know i have family members who have disabilities and their time probably wasn't as easy as what it's going to be for my son and i'm not saying it's easy for him because it is not we still live in a society where inclusion is not at the forefront of what we do but it could be anything so for example allowing somebody who has a disability whether that be a physical one or you know like a neurological issue or whatever it might be to enter the workplace this is a massive thing Why should somebody with a disability be paid less than somebody without a disability? Why should they be taken advantage of more than somebody without? School is a massive thing for me. Schooling has, I never had any idea how difficult it is to find a school that is right for a child with additional needs, because guess what? One size doesn't fit all with education. Like that's the way the UK system works is one size fits all, but it just doesn't. So it's understanding That everybody needs different tools in place to access the same thing. And whether that be that they need a carer's ticket to a theme park, or whether it be that they need a ramp up some stairs, or whether it be that they need an area within a workplace where if the sensory overwhelm gets too much, they can take themselves off and just sit in the dark for five minutes. Do you know what I mean? It could be any of those things, but it just has to be at the forefront of whatever you do. And it doesn't necessarily have to be an expensive costly process it can be as simple as just asking somebody what they need to access whatever it is you're offering
0: okay that's really interesting yeah I've got several friends that I know talk about with with equal passion about the same subject and I think in in the world of work I was talking to somebody like yesterday about sexual equality and how things have changed you know since I started work and I think yes things have changed but we've still got a huge way to go
1: we've got a massive way to go and I think I think there's a real need in this country as well to sort of push forwards with it. I think in some respects, we are really lucky that we live in a very liberal society. We're very accepting as a society, I would say. But just accepting that people with disabilities exist doesn't necessarily mean that we're doing as much as we possibly could be to allow them to access things. In particular, as they get older and they start to leave school or they leave university or whatever it might be, making sure that we can get these people into the workplace in the best possible way for them is so 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 important and and actually what you'll find especially like within the neurodiverse community and you know they have a different way of looking at things so they are amazing assets to any business but we just need to put things in place that allow them to access the workplace or access schooling or access a theatre or whatever it might be in the same way that anybody else can do.
0: Love that. Okay, thank you. Your passion shines through. I know. So I get. I
1: start it. get Yeah, I start running on on one. Sorry, <laughs>
0: that is absolutely fine. That's why we need to talk about these things. So, how is Charlie now? How is he health wise?
1: So he is really good now. I mean, I'm not going to say that our life is simple by any like any stretch of the, the imagination. It is not. But Charlie sees his disability as a first class ticket to life. Those are his words. He thinks his disability is amazing, and we had a situation last year where he thought doctors were trying to fix him and make him not disabled anymore. And he was like, I don't want to not be disabled because he sees, he can't remember ever not being disabled for a starter, but he sees it as his superpower almost. He can whiz in his wheelchair faster than his friends can run. He can do all these things. He gets to jump cues, you know, all this stuff that he sees as a real positive. There's, At the moment, we are in a very good place where he doesn't necessarily see all the negatives. That being said, he's got major surgery coming up. We've got all sorts of things that go on constantly. We spend a huge amount of time in hospital. We get to see all of the corners of the country going to various different hospitals, whether it be up north, south, you know, all over the place. We go all over the place. But actually, for an outlook point of view... If you ever need motivation for how to look at the life, you know, look at the world positively, go and find a disabled child and see how they do it. Because nine times out of 10, you'll be taken aback with their positivity. When we go to spinal units, for example, there's a there's one particular spinal unit we visit quite regularly and the kids on there are just amazing. They all look at it positively. They all just take it in their stride. And, you know, these kids have had often had quite serious life incidents that have led to them being disabled but they just take it all in their stride and actually I think as adults we could learn an awful lot from those kids who have these things happen about just taking life by the horns basically and just going with it because
0: you can't change
1: these things so there's no point in trying oh
0: he sounds amazing how old is Charlie now he's
1: 10 he's
0: 10 now
1: yeah 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 it's getting big now (laughs)
0: and so health-wise Leanne how are you you look really well I
1: am absolutely fine I mean I'm not gonna lie and say that I am back to pre-chemotherapy levels by any stretch of the imagination because I'm not but health-wise do you know what I'm absolutely I'm good I still I still get tired sometimes and sometimes my Mm. brain isn't quite as efficient as it once was (laughs) I can't do mental maths as well as I used to do but hey ho that's what a calculator is for and it's just adapting isn't it to a new way of life but I am very lucky I am doing really good and my cancer is really? completely gone and has been for some time so yeah
0: excellent to hear that and just wanted to really finish because I know that you uh, run your own business as well you are a busy woman and um, yes. so you're an accountant that's right isn't it and um, yeah. I know that you say that you help small businesses so just tell us a little bit about how you help small businesses what do you do for them
1: So one thing I found particularly, and this links back quite specifically to after my diagnosis and after my son's diagnosis, I've just physically couldn't carry on in the workplace. I was going into the office and I had a really understanding boss who was amazing about it, but I'd be going in then going to hospital, then going to another appointment, then picking my son up, going there, literally spent no time at all there. And it got, it it was exhausting. So for me, being self-employed has been a ticket to freedom. And I was lucky that I worked in an industry that I could quite easily go on my own. And I just literally left my job with zero clients and just ran with it. So what I do is I help other business owners do what I've done, basically. I help you make more profit in your business. I help you have the confidence to start out on your own. And often, actually, what I do is, obviously, I do the stuff everybody knows accountants do. I do tax returns. I do VAT returns. I do accounts. I do all of this stuff. But actually, my role whilst working with a company is often much more like a sounding board. We go through ideas together. We go through things and make sure we have a plan. We come up with like a world domination plan, if you like, for that particular business and that particular service. And I am really, really passionate that self-employment is often an amazing key to people who have had slightly difficult lives, whether that be mental health issues or physical disabilities or whatever it might be, or maybe your family life is just a bit complicated or you're a single parent with kids at home and you're trying to juggle the school runs being self employed. And it doesn't have to be in a service-based business like I have. It could be in anything actually Mm -hmm. can be the biggest ticket to freedom that you will ever experience. It can mean that you can earn decent money. You can work whatever hours you want. And a lot of the time with business owners that I see, They physically couldn't work in a nine to five job anymore because their life just doesn't work that way. They might have elderly parents they need to care for, or whatever it might be, or they might have like a health condition, which means that sometimes they just have to go to bed for a day and that's it. And they can't do that. Whereas self employment means you get to pick your own hours, you get to do your own thing. And often people just need a bit of support to get out there and run with it. And then that's where I come in,
0: bringing in some help and advice and um, helping people get along their way. Love it. Yeah, I've got a lot of friends, and I'm sure there's a lot of followers of the podcast that are self employed as well for, for many, many reasons. And it, you know, corporate life is not all it's cracked up to be. I know that, you know, it's no, my cost. It's
1: really not. Yeah. Yeah. It's really yeah. not. And I think, particularly if you've had a life changing event like a lot of us have, mm-hmm. suddenly things just don't seem as important anymore. Suddenly, climbing the corporate ladder, for example, doesn't seem so important. And actually, what I see within my client base is a huge number of people who have learned skills within their corporate jobs or within whatever job they did before and they don't necessarily run a business in that specific thing they did before but they've taken those skills like for example they were a manager or something before so they've taken it and now run leadership training or you know whatever it might be that they've done they've taken certain skills and turned that into a really successful business that works for them which is key isn't it working for
0: them absolutely yeah right yeah I think again looking back at the mistakes I've made for many years I tried to fit in with corporate life and tried to be yeah. a good employee and do what my boss wanted me to do and and looking back and thinking it just wasn't me I wasn't being myself I wasn't no. allowed to be myself didn't think I could and self-employment like you say is the, is the door for a lot of people to just think actually yeah. there's nothing wrong with me <laughs> there's maybe something wrong with the, the structure that I was working in nothing wrong with me I'm okay and I've got it's a lot the system, to offer. Isn't it? yeah yeah absolutely and I think, I think partic- particularly midlife women, sorry, midlife women sometimes forget how many skills they've got. If they've yes. you know, juggled yeah. a family or a, brought, yeah. you know, managed a household, all the skills that you do without even thinking about it, you've acquired over the years. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Particularly as a midlife woman, for example, I have a lot of clients who are in this space you have learned so many skills over your lifetime. You have brought, like, not necessarily brought up a family, but you may have brought up kids. so you've learned negotiation skills, you've learned (laughs) leadership skills, all these things. And actually, particularly if you've got to a point where, let's say you've had some kind of diagnosis, your life has changed, you're feeling a bit, like, almost like you haven't got anything to offer, this is the perfect time to look back at what you have done and all the things you have done. And even if you haven't had a corporate job and you, you don't have a degree, you, don't, you know, I left school at 16 personally and I went on and trained whilst my son was literally I left my son in hospital at times to go and sit exams. That's what I did personally. I sat exams all the way through having chemo. I, I just carried on going. So whilst I've been an accountant for a long time, that really spurred me on to carry on. And actually what you what you find is people get to a certain point when they just don't see the value in what they can offer anymore. And that is such, yeah. a, such a shame because these are the people with the skills that can make a massive difference in the world. And we live in an era now with the internet and the online industry. There has never been a better time to start your own business than what there is now. People go on, oh, like cost of living crisis or financial instability and all of this other things. There are people making millions and millions of pounds regardless of all of those situations and now we have the tools where you don't need to go and get a physical shop and step on the high street now you don't have to go and get a market stall you don't have to show up in person you can come up on the internet set up a business and literally the next day with very little outcome you can be a self-employed person making money and that's why it's so important now to have those options and just believe in yourself that actually you can do it because if i can do it anybody can do it <laughs>
0: yeah belief is huge yeah and i think probably yeah, another yeah. podcast just on the subject of belief yeah because it, it's key to so many things but so much good advice in there leanne thank you so much it's been lovely talking to you and i just really want to say I'm, I'm going to obviously put your website and any contact details in the show notes below so anybody wants to get in touch with leanne they can do what is the best way for people to get in touch with you
1: so if you look me up, I'm on Instagram, so it's at the little at sign, The Profit Hero on Instagram, or um, I also have a free Facebook group if you are a business owner, which is Progress to Profit with The Profit Hero and Strategy Angel. If you want to come and join us in there, we have lots of free training and support in there as well. That
0: sounds amazing. And yeah, like you say, so so much needed in this day and age. Yes. It's been lovely talking to you. Thank you so much. I'm hoping we'll talk Thank you again because me. it felt like we could talk all day. Definitely, have a yeah. day. Thank yeah, you. have a brilliant day. Thank you for coming on my podcast, it's been brilliant. Take care, my lovely love to Charlie as well. I hope you both stay well and keep on being as wonderful as you are. Thank you so Thank much. You. Take care. Bye bye. Bye. Wow, well, I really enjoyed talking to Leanne. I hope you can tell that. Um, she blew me away with her attitude, I just loved her attitude to life. Uh, the positive way that she approached her son's diagnosis and dealing with his disability, the positive way she approached her breast cancer diagnosis and she refused to become a victim. And again, as I always say, there's no judgment here. We're not saying this is the right way, That's this is the wrong way. There's no right and wrong to. Navigate some of the life challenges that you may get faced with. But what you can do is draw inspiration from a woman like Leanne who refuses to um, just give in refuses to be a victim so positive about the work that she does now and that blew me away as well so just really wanted to say how much i enjoyed her positive attitude i loved what she said about midlife women and the skills that they sometimes forget that they've got life skills that they've got that will set them in such good stead should they choose to be self-employed and self-employment is a way out for a lot of people to escape rat race if you like so many blessings to be found in the flexible working life that a lot of people are finding now and I'm going to be talking more and more about that because to me being happy and healthy isn't about you know spending so much time at the office or spending so much time climbing that corporate ladder which a lot of us led to believe was the way to be successful in life but really is that success or is success about having a balance about doing what you want to do, about using your talent, your skills, your natural abilities to create a lifestyle that you love. Maybe that's what success is. I really believe that. And also she talked about her diagnosis and her son's illness as giving her a little bit of an opportunity for time for reflection. And I talk about this a lot of um, following a cancer diagnosis the time, the space that you can take after that diagnosis to really reassess your life, what's important, and maybe, just maybe for once in your life, putting yourself first. And lastly, I'm just going to say one of the things that Leanne said that really uh, resonated with me was the importance of belief. Belief in yourself, belief that you can, if you want to, you can become self-employed, you can set up your business, You can do whatever you set your heart on. You might need help to get there, in which case reach out and find the people that can help you on that journey. So as always, thank you so much for listening to my podcast. It means so much to me. I hope you have an amazing week. I hope you join me again next week when we'll be talking about another subject that I hope you find interesting. Have an absolutely fabulous week. Stay safe, stay safe. Take care, my lovely. Bye-bye.